so today is the last day in our You Were Made to Belong series. If you've been following along with us over the last few weeks, uh, we started off on our grand opening Sunday with You Were Made to Belong into meaningful relationships. And the main idea behind that was in order for a relationship to be meaningful, you have to be willing to share what you have and who you are with other people. You can't have a relationship that's meaningful unless you're willing to be vulnerable and share with other people. And then last week we talked about that you were made to belong to community. What does that mean? Community is, is a group of people who can go through life's journey with us and who can, who can help us through and who have shared ideas and likes and a unified goal that give us purpose and, and the ability to be strong. And our main point last week was that together or that alone, when I'm alone, I'm defenseless. I live life alone, I am I'm powerless, I can't help myself, I, I can be defeated, I can be attacked, I can be hurt. But then we follow that scripture that said that when two or more or three are gathered, you know, that, that cord is uneasily, it's not easily broken, that, that you can protect each other. So our main idea was is that when I am alone, I am defenseless, but when I am with others, when we are together, we are powerful. And that's community, having an identity as a community. Well, today we want to take it a step further as we wrap up this, uh, this You Were Made to Belong series and talk about purpose. Purpose. I mean, it's great to go through life with, you know, friends. And it's great to have valuable, meaningful relationships. But I think oftentimes we struggle feeling like, what the heck am I doing here? Why am I on earth? Right? And I want to say, I want you to know that I believe this with all my heart. And this is Encounter Church. This is, this is sort of a, a focal point of what our church is about. Is that I believe, we believe, that you were made on purpose and for a purpose. On purpose and for a purpose. So I don't know what your life you know, is like. I don't know where you were. You'd say, well, okay, how can you say that, Jerry? That my life, that I was made on purpose. My parents have told me flat out that I was a mistake. That I was not meant to be. I was, I was an oops kind of a thing. Well, regardless of whether your parents planned you, whether it was something that wasn't expected, there is a God in heaven who knew that you were going to be sitting in this chair today, long before the world was even created. I believe that with all my heart. The Bible teaches us that, that God knows who we are, knows who you are, and that you were made on purpose. But more than that, more than just being made on purpose, that that's great, I'm here, and there's a God in heaven who knows me, and knows my name, I was also made for a purpose, that there is something on this earth that I was made to do. And it does revolve around this idea of belonging, because what we'll find by the end of today's message is that we only truly belong when we ultimately find the source of our purpose in life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And we have, if you have Bibles, you know, uh, we're going to have the words on the screen, uh, the message, the sermons, uh, notes, I'm sorry, not notes, the scripture references will be on the screen. But if you have a Bible or a tablet, you can follow along there as well. And also in your program, we have the notes that uh, you can follow along if you like to take notes or just kind of follow along with the message. So this idea of purpose, I think it's, I think it's, it's frustrating for some of us because we feel like we go through life and, you know, we work ourselves all the time, and then, I don't know if it's just me, but I have wondered often in my life, what am I doing here? Why am I here? What is the reason that I get up every day and do what I do? Why do I consistently, every time, just pay my bills? It's like, is this what my life is meant to be? Is that all that it was meant to be? And then you find, I mean, last week we talked about, I, want, I think it was last week we talked about from the book of Ecclesiastes, this was Solomon. Who at the end of his the end of his great reign, the end of his amazing life, is sitting there going, everything is meaningless. 
This is Solomon talking. Everything is meaningless. So he, he recognizes it, that all the riches, all the wealth, all the popularity, everything is pointless. It doesn't matter to anything in the end. And I felt like this. Maybe you can identify with this. I had actually, I was a youth pastor in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, for, for about three years. And I felt like my time there was coming to an end. This was in 2005, 2006. So we moved to Maryland, and where I grew up in the Silver Spring area. And I decided I was going to go back to school, get my master's degree. And so I studied for about a year and a half, almost two years, to, to, to get myself to a place where I could feel like I had the education enough. Because I, I knew that one day I was going to either start a church or I was going to lead an organization. And while I had gone to, to a, a Christian university to learn how to be a pastor and learn about the Bible, I felt like I needed some more just sort of real-world, nuts-and-bolts leadership management training. So, and my thought was, okay, I'm going to resign from this church position, move to Maryland, go to school, get this degree, and then jump right back into the ministry. Well, that's not what happened. And what ended up happening was, is that I went on about a four and a half or five year period of time where I felt like I was wandering in the desert, um, like the Israelites. If you ever know that story of Moses sort of leading the Israelites all over the place trying to find the promised land. And I have a picture right here. That's what I felt like my life was. This is, this is me. Just, I, I couldn't figure out what I was doing. So I went to school. When, when, once I was, while I was in school, I got a job as a welfare to work um, specialist, helping people find jobs. And then from there, I got a job with a company called um, Bridges with the Marriott Foundation and helped youth with disabilities find jobs. I mean, I always wanted to do something that was worthwhile, but I couldn't, couldn't get back into, into the ministry. I kept looking for opportunities to volunteer at the church, but I was struggling because I felt like I went to school to be a pastor, so I, I didn't want to just be like a volunteer. I mean, this is all the things that I was wrestling with, you know? And, and then we, finally, I graduated from school, and I felt like there's just, I don't know what I'm doing now. I, I can't, I, there's no opportunities for me. I can't, I, I just can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. Why did I go to school for four years in my undergrad to be able to learn how to be a pastor and, and to do that? And then, and then why did I go spend all this money on this education that I just got my master's degree, and now I'm stuck without being able to get a job? So you know what I did? I moved back to Cincinnati, and I got a job working at Blockbuster Video. That's what I did. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It was the best decision I ever made in my life. No, it was great. I had a blast working at Blockbuster, but I'll tell you, it wasn't what I was supposed to do in my life. It wasn't like the end-all, be-all of everything. And you might find yourself in the situation right now. You're like, I'm doing something. It's okay, but I don't love it. It's not what I feel like I'm supposed to ultimately be doing. And let me tell you something, that it was a journey that God was taking me on. If you were to, if you were to go back, you know, at the end of time, when we are all standing before God, and we get to ask questions, and we say, God, you know, or if we talk to maybe the people, the Israelites, who were going through this long journey, and these zigzags, and circles all over the desert, and you ask them, you know, now looking back, now knowing what you know now, you know, what was it all about? And they would tell you, and the same thing I'll tell you about my journey, was that it's... God used that time to teach me lessons and to show me who I was and to give me the purpose in my life that I wouldn't have been ready for four years earlier. I just wasn't ready. I was too stubborn. I thought I knew everything. You know, I just wasn't ready to hear what God wanted to tell me. So we moved. So I just kept feeling like there was a, this desire to move back to Pittsburgh. I was born here. And my, my whole family felt like we were just sort of were kind of moving back to Pittsburgh. And I had applied at a, at a, at a church uh, for a youth pastor position at Allison Park Church. It's a pretty large church up in Allison Park. And it, I didn't get the job there. 
I, I was, again, led to believe. I was like, all right, this is it. All right, God, thank you. You're bringing us back. You're getting me into the ministry again. And I didn't get the job. And I'm like, why? I was so frustrated. But, like, my best friend, Scott, who lives in Nashville, he's been out of the ministry for, like, nine years now because he, he, he's been doing other things. And that's where God has led him. But he went through the season, and I went through the season of feeling like, why did I do everything that I have done? Why have I just struggled and struggled and struggled to get to the thing that I thought I was going for, and I can't get there? And, and then I got a phone call about a week or two later from Allison Park Church, and they called me up and they said, um, they said, hey, listen, there's a pastor who's planting a church in Pittsburgh on the south side called Lightstone Church, and he's looking for some leadership. Would you be interested in talking to him? And I said, sure. So I get a phone call from Pastor Jack Thomas, who is now a spiritual father of mine. Um, and long story short, we ended up moving to Pittsburgh to help start Lifestone Church. And about two and a half years into that process, um, we felt like God was leading us to plant Encounter Church. And so now I look back and I think to myself, if this was me, looking at this roadmap in the beginning, if I had known that God was going to say, Jerry, I'm going to have you plant this church five years from now, but you're going to have to take this road, this route, I don't know if I would have followed him. I probably would have been like, yeah, I think I'll try it on my own. I think I'll do something else myself. So he took me on this journey, and I look back, and I can tell you I wouldn't be ready to be able to stand here right now to talk to you about this concept, this idea of purpose. I wouldn't be able to share with you the messages that I do every Sunday because I wouldn't have been ready to be able to lead a church into the community of Lawrenceville and the city of Pittsburgh. But God took me there and gave me a purpose and has shown me all along what his design was from the very beginning. I mean, maybe you can identify with this idea of feeling lost in the wilderness. I mean, think about it. We go to work every day. What are we working for? What are we striving for? We make money. What do we, we just spend it over and over and over again. I get a paycheck, I spend it. I get a paycheck, I pay my bills. I get a paycheck, I go to a movie. I get a paycheck, I, you know. It's over and over and over again. If you're a student, you go to school, and you might be thinking to yourself, I'm spending all of this money, all of this money on my education, all of this money on a degree that I'm probably not even going to be able to get a job in when I graduate. I mean, that's reality. That, that's the reality that many of us face. I mean, think about what do we do with our lives. Every day we get up and we do the same routines. Every day we, we, know, we, we go about our lives, we're busy, we, we up and down, up and down constantly. We get we connected to organizations, to clubs and community groups and all of these things. Why? Why do we do what we do? It's because we're searching for purpose. We're searching for meaning. We are searching to feel like the energy that I expend every day is not for nothing. Right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's at its base. We are searching constantly for purpose and for meaning. But I said in the beginning, and I really believe this, is that ultimately, we will never be able to find our true purpose, our true identity in life, until we are connected to the Creator who gave us, who can give us our purpose, who knows who we are from the very beginning. God. Until we are connected with Him, we are not able to really ultimately be able to find our, our true purpose in life. And that leads us to our main idea of the day. The main idea today, our main point, is this. Is when we choose to follow Jesus, we unlock our true identity and our destiny. When we choose to follow Jesus, it's a choice. It's a choice. When we choose to follow Jesus, we now have the opportunity to unlock our true identity and our destiny. Now, think about that for a second. And it all goes back to what I just said a moment ago. It's because Jesus is the creator of everything. 
He knows who we are. He knows what we have inside of us. All of our talents, all of our gifts, all of our abilities, all of our passions, all of our likes, all of our history, all of our pain, all of our problems. He knows everything. He knows all of it. He knows exactly who we are. And we go around our lives every day fighting and struggling to make something of ourselves, to become something more than we were meant to be. So, for example, I think of like a lawnmower, okay? This is a lawnmower, and a lawnmower is designed for one thing, to go across grass and its blades cut the grass. That's what it's designed to do. But we, when we don't know Jesus, when we don't have this relationship with our Creator who knows exactly what we were made to do, when we now take that same lawnmower and put it on the sidewalk and during the fall and we blow, we're trying to make it into a leaf blower, it can kind of do the job, right? I mean, it does blow, but it makes more of a mess than it actually does its job. But as soon as you take that lawnmower and put it on the grass, it's perfect. It hums nicely, you get that smell of fresh cut grass, you know, a little gasoline smell kind of burning up in your nose every once in a while. You know what I'm talking about, that nice summer feeling which all of us, let's close our eyes for a second, oh yeah, spring, summer, the lawnmower. But this is, this, is, this is purpose at its finest when you are actually walking into what you were designed to do. But we're like leaf blowers. We're like the lawnmower trying to be a leaf blower when we are trying to do the things that we are built for, but in the wrong context, we're trying to do it without understanding our true purpose. So let's, let's look, dive into this a little bit, into the scriptures today. And there's a story about a man named Peter and how, how Peter became one person. Uh, he unlocked his destiny when he met Jesus. And this comes right out of, um, comes right out of the scriptures, which is Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20. And this is what it says. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore, or the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, who were throwing nets into the water, for they fished for a living. So these guys are fishermen. Jesus is taking a stroll on the beach and happens to see these guys. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So there's an interesting story here, and a lot of times we, I think we, we, we think of this, and we're like, man, these guys just up and left, like everything, in that moment, first time ever. There's a little bit more to the story than you might think, and we're going to get there. But first I want to unpack this setting a little bit. We have some pictures on the screen here. The Sea of Galilee. This is actually a very beautiful location. The Sea of Galilee was pretty remote. Um, it, was, it was in Israel, but it was about 100 miles north of Jerusalem. So this used to be a rather bustling area along the shorelines. There were towns there because this is a very middle class location where people would, um, where they would fish. They had businesses. There was a lot of fish in the Sea of Galilee. So there was a heavy fishing industry that was there. Okay, Jesus lived in a town called Capernaum, which is in the very top of the Sea of Galilee. I think the next slide here we have this map. Okay, so we have Jerusalem right here at the bottom of the map, and then 100 miles north is the Sea of Galilee, and you can see very top of the little red dot that Google Maps happily gives us, that is Capernaum. This is where Jesus lived, okay? So imagine now, Jesus is walking along the 134-mile line uh, coastline there, and he's walking along on the beach. What was he doing out there? Well, he was taking a stroll in the morning, he was thinking, he was preparing for his ministry. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry story here. Just recently, he had gone to this wedding and uh, had turned the water into wine. Many of you know this story. And now Jesus had just come from Nazareth where he was born. He kind of went back home and the people there were like, who are you? We know who you are. You were that little rug rat who grew up in Nazareth. 
you don't, you're not, you know, don't preach to us. We, we think we know life better than you do. So Jesus left and went to Capernaum. He settled down there. And now one day, he knew God had called him, that God was taking him on this journey, that he was coming to redeem all of mankind, to give us the opportunity to be able to connect to our Creator, to unlock our destinies. And he's walking on the beach thinking about it, and he sees Peter, and he sees Andrew in the boat, and he calls out to them, and he says, come and follow me. And the Bible says, we just read it, the scripture says that they immediately left their boats and went and followed Jesus. A couple of things that we need to kind of unpack here. Jesus didn't go to the city center in Jerusalem. Jesus didn't go to, you know, the, the courts, the king's court to find his followers. Jesus went to where the people were. He went right to the middle class. Jesus saw purpose and destiny and ability and, and the ability to lead a revolution, a spiritual revolution with the people that no one else would think would be able to lead anything. He took the uneducated. He took the people who, who worked just everyday lives. Peter and Andrew, who got up every day and went to work and went fishing. And maybe they owned their own business and, and they were just sort of trying to make ends meet. That's where Jesus went. He went to that place to find his leaders. And we know that Peter becomes one of the strongest leaders in the Christian church in the early days. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But, but Jesus didn't, he found the people who had the possibility of having the least amount of purpose. Right? The people in life. I mean, if you were to say, who has purpose? You would think of people like Bill Gates, people like, you know, who are rich individuals. It's like, well, they seem to have figured out their niche in the world. They know what they're doing. So those people have purpose. But the average person who would struggle with the concept of what am I here for is probably your middle class individual, the working guy, the person who just gets up every day, just tries to go about his life and make ends meet. And that's exactly where Jesus went. I find it interesting. But that's where Jesus went. He went to the most unlikely place to find his followers. But the interesting thing is, is that Peter had actually already met Jesus before. Many people don't know that. Like I said in the beginning of the story, we think this is the first time, but it's not. What actually happened was is that Peter had met Jesus once before. So let's read this story together. This comes out of the book of John. John the Baptist was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. So, so John the Baptist sees Jesus walking by and immediately recognizes that he's the Messiah. He is the one who God has brought to earth to save all of mankind. And he says, There he is. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Andrew, one of the guys in the boat, in the story we just read a minute ago, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. So, so John the Baptist points over and says, Hey, that's the Messiah. Go follow him. Andrew, one of the guys in the boat with Peter, says, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Then, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these people. Andrew went to find his brother Simon, the other guy in the boat, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. This is Peter, Simon, to meet Jesus, looking intently at Simon. This is key here. Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, this was the very first encounter that Peter had with Jesus. This was the very first time that he met him, not the time on the boat. So it begs the question, what the heck was Peter doing back in his boat? Why wasn't he following Jesus? Because it clearly said that he did. It said he followed Jesus. But the interesting thing is, is that in this moment, Jesus looked 
inside of Peter in that moment. It says, looks intently, right? It said, Jesus looked intently into, into Simon and said, you were called Simon, but from now on, you will be known as Cephas. Now, Cephas is a word that is translated into Petros, which that word means rock. We have a picture of a rock up here. The word Peter, Petros, means rock. And what it is, is that what Jesus was saying is that he looked deep inside of, of Peter. And he said, I see what you are. I see what you have inside of you. I see who you are and what you can be. And we know that Peter ultimately becomes what many Catholics would consider. Many of you grew up in the Catholic uh, faith. That you, you would say that Peter was the first pope. And regardless, the scriptures don't actually say anything about being a pope, but we do see plenty of evidence of Peter being used powerfully by God, ultimately to where he wasn't just a rock, a strong individual who led the church. He became this, a cornerstone. He became one of the foundational pieces of the spiritual revolution that we now know of as a church. And we are sitting here today in a church service hearing about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ because of a man like Paul and Peter and, and Andrew and John, each of them who had an experience with Jesus who looked inside of them and saw a destiny, called something out of them to become more than they were. The same is true for us. Jesus looks inside of each one of us. When we meet him, he never leaves anyone the same. Jesus is always seeking to take us to a place of where we are become who we should who we were really meant to be. He comes and he meets us and he says, Hey, lawnmower, what are you doing on the sidewalk? Get on the grass. I mean, he, it's not like the lawnmower was, was doing anything wrong. The lawnmower understands, well, I've got these blades that spin. And I, can, I have this air that pushes out. Like I have this metal frame. I have wheels. I can roll. I'm going to go do this. And, it, and it, Jesus didn't come and smack him upside the head and say, how dare you? What he did is he said, you have the right idea, but you're not in the right place. And that's what it's like for us. God has given us abilities. God has given us passions. He's given us dreams. He's given us connections and influence with people. He's given us finances. He's given us all sorts of, of resources and tools. And he says... You are trying to live life to make something matter, make something make sense in your life. But let me show you what your purpose is. Let me show you what your purpose is. And I can, I can unlock your true identity. So we said when we choose to follow Jesus, we unlock our true identity and our purpose, our destiny in life. I really believe that. You're like, Jared, I don't know if I think I have a destiny. I believe that. When I'm saying you have a destiny, I don't necessarily mean that you're going to be like the President of the United States. We often think in like movies... We think of destiny as being like, you know, like that means I'm destined for something powerful and great and I'll be famous. But what destiny means is that you just do the purpose that you have in your life and that it's important. And it could be just that you help people understand the same thing that you found. It's probably more than that because God often, you know, gives us these gifts and talents and wants to use them in big ways to show his light to the world. So... When we meet Jesus, when we choose to follow him, we unlock our true identity and our purpose. But we don't know why Peter was back at the boat. So we already had established once that Peter had met Jesus. That he, they clearly knew that he was the Messiah. John the Baptist, who they were all followers of, said, There is the Messiah. Go follow him. They had very clear instructions. Go follow that guy. 
Andrew, all excited about it, runs and tells his brother Peter, and Simon Peter, and then says, the Messiah is here! And the scriptures told us that they went and they followed Jesus. But now here we are later, and Jesus is walking along the beach, and he looks over there, and Simon and Andrew and some other friends in another boat were all there. Why? Why was he back at the boat? Now, it could be that just in that time, they were waiting for, you know, Jesus to, they were just sort of like followers, but they weren't like disciples, they didn't follow Jesus around, it's possible. But it's also possible that, that maybe when Peter met Jesus for the first time, it kind of freaked him out. I mean, have you ever been in that situation? Some of you might say to yourself right now, like, I've been to church before, and I, or I've, you know, but I, I, I've never really taken that step to follow Jesus, like, you know, I don't know, like Christians can be kind of kooky sometimes, or, you know, all those types of things, you know. Maybe it's possible that Peter went back to his work and he just said, you know what, that's all great, that guy, I think, we'll see how it pans out, maybe I'll join in, in later, but maybe Peter just said, I, I've got a pretty good thing going for me right now, I've got a business, you know, that I'm running with my brother, um, I think I'm going to kind of try it my own way, and that's, that's the key here, guys, is to understand this, that when we meet Jesus, we have a choice. We have a choice, we have two choices. You can either meet Jesus and go your own way. So you can meet him, right? Become kind of like a fan, like on Facebook. I like Jesus' Facebook page. Like, I'm going to like him. I'll see some updates, but it doesn't really affect my life. I don't do anything about it. I go to church maybe on Christmas and Easter or if my friends bug me or if I get a mailer from a church that's starting up or whatever. You know, those kinds of things. You can meet Jesus, but then go about your business, go about your day. It doesn't really affect things. Or, or you can follow Jesus and become who you were made to be. And I think this is the, the dilemma that Peter was faced with. Jesus met him and looked intently into his eyes and he said, I see something inside of you. And I think, this is just my, my guess, as after reading the scriptures, I was pouring through commentaries this week, trying to like dig into these passages. And it's just, it just, it sort of said, we don't know why Peter was back at the boat. And it could be, like I said, it was the one where it could have been where he was just sort of going back about his work, waiting for Jesus' ministry to kick off. But it also could have been that maybe he decided he wasn't going to follow yet. And then Jesus comes back onto the scene. And that's what I love about this story. Jesus is walking on the beach, intersecting with everyday life. Jesus just walks on the beach and sees these guys at their job and says, hey, come and follow me. And in that moment... I believe, I'm just thinking this one, I believe right there, Peter's sitting there in his boat with his nets, he's mending like the fisherman nets and all these things, and he just had a hard work time, and he's frustrated, and he remembers back to that moment where he's sitting there and Jesus is all, I picture almost like if you guys are like Steeler fans, like Bill Cowher, like how he would like, like grab the guy's jersey and like pull him right to the face and kind of spit all over his face, and he would say like, you know, and I just picture Jesus looking intently into Peter's eyes in that moment, Peter remembering back, he's just sitting in his boat, he sees Jesus on the beach, and he's just remembering that moment. You will be called Peter, the rock. You will be the rock. Follow me. And I just, I just picture in that moment, like just this overwhelming emotion, this sense of something greater to where Peter finally got it. He saw the potential of the same thing that Jesus saw in him however many days ago or weeks it had been. And he gets up and says he immediately left. And he went and he followed Jesus. This week, I had a chance to meet a gentleman. I was talking to a guy named Mike Randall. And I want to tell you a little bit about Mike's story because it, it works perfectly with the situation that we're talking about. Mike told me that he grew up in uh, around 
well, he, he grew up and he grew up in the church and, and he was familiar with Jesus and I knew who Jesus was. See, there's a difference, right? I know who Jesus is versus I know Jesus, right? He said, I knew who Jesus was. I was growing up in my life. I was, I was doing all the things that, you know, I was supposed to do. But somewhere along the way, Mike just decided he wanted to do his own thing. He liked driving, you know, Mercedes Benz. He liked driving Lincoln Navigators a little more than I guess he liked going to church. So he told me that, you know, he just started doing his own thing, kind of all the drug trade. But ended up becoming, like many people do, addicted to drugs. And lost his home, lost everywhere he was living. He was on the verge of death. He was addicted to drugs and alcohol. He was, you know, like, how, he told me how many times he should have died because of, like, you know, having too much drugs in his system. All these things, right? This is a man who met Jesus at one point but decided to go his own way. And then he, he was on his last foot. He went to his sister's house. He told me, he said, I went to my sister's house four and a half months ago. And I didn't think I was going to understand it. I was just trying to find a place to go for the day. And I didn't understand it for 12 days. He said, while I was there one day, my sister called me from another room and said, Mike, come here. you got to watch this. And she was watching the program, which I don't watch, but some people do. It's called the 700 Club. And I'll tell you what, maybe after the story, I might start watching a little bit more because there we're talking about uh, a local network here in Pittsburgh called the City Reach Network, which is um, led by Pastor Brian Bolt, who um, actually started his church originally in Lawrenceville, up in Nor Upper Lawrenceville, now they're on the north side. They're talking about just this, this ministry about how they, their church is a little bit different. They build these, these hope homes. They, they come into an area that is chronically destroyed by drugs and alcohol and, and gang activity. And they set up shop in these places. And they get people off the streets and they put them into these rehab homes. They teach them about Jesus. And they get them cleaned up, you know. And Mike told me, he said, I saw this. I saw this on, on the TV. They were talking about it. And I, I knew. I just knew. Like God was tugging at me right then. I, I had a choice to make. Just like Peter had a choice to make in the boat. Again, he was given that second shot, okay? So Mike picks up the phone and dials the number and talks to the, to the leader. I think Steve Grillis is his name here in Pittsburgh. And, he, and um, talking about it, he said, you're accepted. There's, there's a place for you. And, uh, and he did. So he joined the program. And now he works at Allison Park Church as one of the custodial facilities guys. And he's halfway through his program, four and a half months into the program. And I see him every week because I go over there to do my message prep. And I see him. I was talking to him. He told me that story again this week. And I, I asked him if I could share it with you. But it's the picture-perfect example of what we're talking about. Of somebody who, who met Jesus but decided to go his own way. He decided to do his own thing. He was like, man, I love riding around in that Lincoln Navigator. It was awesome. He's like, it was so great. I loved, you know, like the feeling of the high that I got, you know, when I was doing the drugs. And he's like, I loved having the money that I had. I loved doing all the things that, like, those things give you. But it ended up destroying him. Why? Because those things without purpose behind them ultimately lead to nothing. They are meaningless. And so he had a choice to make. He had that second chance and he took it. And now there's just something about him. He's, he's bright. He's smiling. He's, he's so happy because he's found purpose in life. He's found the true meaning of life. He's found the ability to belong somewhere. He has a community of people around him who love him. He's not having to search every day for drugs and for money and trying to get more dollars and trying to get more cars and buy big houses. He's not doing those things. He is taking what he has now and learning that his true identity comes when he comes to meet his creator, Jesus, who loves him. That's the same thing. He made the choice, finally, to follow Jesus. And he's now on a path to be able to unlock his destiny. So we ask this question, what is purpose? What is our purpose? What is my purpose? What is your purpose? 
Well, first let's look at Jesus' purpose, and I think that's going to unlock it for us. Jesus talked about why he came in Luke 4, 18 and 19. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So first of all, anybody who ever tells you that the only reason that Jesus came to earth was to like save your sin, have them read this verse. There's a lot of action involved here. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus' mission in life, his purpose was to set people free and to connect them to their creator. So when I ask the question, what is your purpose? What is my purpose? He asks us to join him in his mission. That's it. But how? He asks us to help us join in his mission where we are. He's not asking you necessarily to pick up and move to Africa. If he calls you to move to Africa, then go. But he probably, the majority of us, just says, I want you to follow me and serve me and help people know me where you are. Whether you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a student. With what you have, your finances, your time, your energy and to give everything that you have to accomplish it. Your purpose in life is not to make yourself happy. It's to set other people free and to be connected to your creator. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you are you know, a business owner, whatever it is, use what you have. Think about what has God given me? What resources do I have? What abilities do I have? What passions do I have? And how can I turn that into an opportunity to help other people know Jesus? When you're at work next week, do you come across somebody who's struggling financially, but you just happen to have a little bit extra money in your bank? Think about that for a second. Why did God put that extra money in your bank? If you're a student and someone is struggling getting through class and you, you've picked it up, maybe there's an opportunity for you to help somebody else figure out how to, how to you know, get through that class. Whatever it is, I don't know. This is a trouble. All week I've been wrestling with this idea. How do I get the people in this, in, this, in this congregation, how do I tell you what your purpose is? And then I realized, God was showing me, Jerry, you can't. You can't tell individuals what it is for them. You have to look inside yourself. You have to do it. I can't, I can't tell you specifically, you know, you college student do this, do that. What I am saying is, is that we have to change our perspective to understand that Jesus came to set people free and to connect them to the Creator. How can I do that in my life? That is your purpose. What does that look like as a church? What does that look like as a church? Jesus cared about people and their needs, and so should you. He never left them the same. He always met needs first. So, Encounter Church particularly, I want us to be people of justice, people of cause. I want us to be people that care about individuals. I want us to always be looking for how we can set people free. And it's not hard to find. You can look at people all over the place. There's people in your neighbors, there's people at work, there's people at the grocery store, everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, there's opportunity to be able to set people free and to show them, point the way to Jesus. We also want to always be searching. Our eyes should always be open to those around us who need to know Him. To look at, to see people as Jesus does. Think about that for a second. Jesus went up to Peter and He looked at Peter and He looked intently inside of him and saw Peter's destiny. 
And the same is available for you and for me. Because we have Jesus living inside of us, he will show us how to speak into people's lives. But we need to be open to it. We need to open up our eyes and see when I'm sitting on the bus next to somebody, that maybe I start a conversation with them, and I can see that there's something in there. I just want to speak encouragement. You don't necessarily have to tell them that they're going to be the next president of the United States or a business owner, but if you could just say, hey, listen, I don't know, you know what's going on, but it sounds like you're having a rough time. I just want to encourage you. It's going to be okay. Or I'm going to pray for you. Or as you meet people, as you get to know people better, you can speak life into them and point them to Jesus. We are always searching for other people to see their potential, their purpose, and their destiny. And lastly, to belong. To belong. Invite people to become part of the family. We want people to become a part of this family. For them to belong. If you have been coming the last few weeks, you like what you've seen here. You, you feel like this is what church should be like. This is whatever I've read the Bible. I, I hear this. This is what God has been showing, painting a picture of. That we should be a family who cares about each other and cares about people. That Jesus was concerned about meeting people's physical needs and loving people and, and bringing them into the family. He always met people's needs before he ever asked them to do anything. And we want people to belong here. So invite your friends. Bring your family with you. Invite your coworkers. Give them an opportunity to see Jesus. That's who we are. So as we wrap up this, this, this You Were Made to Belong series, if, if you felt like you have belonged, that you found a place to belong, I'm so excited for you. But there's more work to be done. There are people out there who need to know Jesus, people who need the same peace in our world and the same opportunity and purpose. Will you choose to follow Jesus and become who you were made to be? Or are you just going to meet him and go about your own day? Would you guys close your eyes with me? There's two questions I want to ask everybody in the room. I think these questions really help us sort of take the next step of what, is that, what does this mean for us? The first question is this, is what is God saying to you today? There's a couple of responses possible here. There's Maybe you are, you're saying, you know, I, I do know Jesus, but, but man, I, I, I need to like, I need to go all in. I need to let it go. And I need to be able to, to give myself to this church, to give myself to, to a relationship with people, to find purpose in life. I realize now that I can't truly have fulfillment in my purpose if I'm trying to live for myself. I'm trying to do everything myself and make money. And I'm always so focused on everything outside of church instead of myself. And I'm not saying it's about church particularly. I'm just saying the family of God, the kingdom of God. Or maybe you're in a place today where you're saying, I like this. I've been coming the last few weeks. I, I hear this. I, this idea of belonging. And I, I love it. I need to feel like I fit in a place that I can belong to. And, and ultimately, I now recognize that, that God loves me. That Jesus is looking into my eyes. I mean, imagine that for a moment. That he's standing in front of you looking at you. And it says he's looking intently into you. What is he saying to you right now? I know from what scripture teaches that if Jesus were sitting right in front of you now, he would say, I love you. I want you to belong in my family. I will give you a place to belong. I will give you hope. And all you have to do today to respond to that is just to say that you want to follow him. So that brings us to our second question. What are you going to do about it? How do you respond? In a moment, we're going to have some response time, but there's plenty of ways we'll tell you about that you can respond physically today. But for those of you who want to take that step 
in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe this is your first time ever hearing this message. Maybe you've heard it a thousand times, and today is the day that you feel like God is calling you. Maybe you were like Peter. Maybe you were like Mike. Where you met Jesus and kind of went your own way, but today you hear him calling you to follow him and to unlock your destiny. And today you're going to follow him. You're going to get out of that boat and you're going to follow him for the first time. If that's you, I want to give you a chance to just raise your hand in just a moment. I'm going to count to three. And I just want you to, to just express that, that by raising your hand. And we're going to pray together. And today you can begin that journey and unlock your destiny and watch what Jesus does. One. Two. Three. Is there anyone in the room who wants to follow Jesus today? Just raise your hand right now. We'll pray together. You guys will stand and we'll pray together. Everyone can just let's just all pray out loud together uh, as a family, as a community of people who believe in Jesus. And maybe if, if you're in this place right now with your eyes closed, if you didn't raise your hand, but you still want to have this opportunity, you can say this prayer with us and begin that journey. Let's all close our eyes and pray together. Jesus, I choose to follow you today. I want to leave behind all my past and failures, all my mistakes, all my wrongs. I ask that you will forgive me. Give me hope. Give me life. Come into my heart and teach me to live life the right way. Help me to be connected to my Creator. In Jesus' name, amen.